Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 5, Episode 22. This week, we are talking about 1975's Rocky Horror Picture Show. With Joe. It's not often we receive visitors here, let alone offer them hospitality. And Sam. How forceful you are, Brad. Such a perfect specimen of manhood. So dominant. <laughs> Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Dr. Frankenfurter to my riffraff, Sam. How was life, sir? Great. Great. We actually just got done talking about several movies that we're looking forward to, such as The Mean One with the Grinch. Uh, and uh, I know you're looking forward to Halloween Ends. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm ready for this to end so they don't put out another one. Remember how excited we were about uh, the first the one? The first one? Yeah. And, and the first how, one was it good. Was, it was really good. It wasn't Rob Zombie's Halloween good, but. No, but who was the writer? It was the, 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 the comedian. What? Danny McBride was was the writer. Oh, that's right. Yes, he was the writer. And then they were like, well, can you crank one out again in a year? And he goes, yeah, sure. And he cranked out Halloween Kills. And we went, oh, it ends no. Tonight. It, <laughs> evil. Wait, is it evil dies tonight? Evil dies tonight. <laughs> but it turns out it didn't. Yeah. Maybe it will when Halloween ends. Who, 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 who knows? I'm ready for no more Halloween movies personally. He's Yeah, he's a demon now. He's not just a person yeah, no he's so supernatural he's, he's so in, he's invincible yes he's she hulk i mean if he twerk he Should, twerk did you see the video of her twerking i have seen the video of course and how bad was the cgi i thought it was a cool butt i'm sure there it is <laughs> you're the you know it's funny i was talking to somebody else last night and they're like i was talking i mentioned she hulk and they're like yeah yeah i'm looking forward to getting into that i go really goes i just kind of want to see her yeah, dude. I was like, he goes, does that make me weird? I go, you know, everybody that says that is starting to realize that they're in the pop, you're in the popular vote on this one. It's not weird to enjoy what she looks like when she's she Hulk. No, no, no. Do you remember the, when uh resident evil village came out? Yes. The, who was the, 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 the lady, the big, big lady, lady. Damascus. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Beatrice something. The something number of lady D the number of memes that came out after that about her yeah. in Sm different smush. clothing and, Smash me. Smush me. <laughs> Suffocate me. She looks soft. Suffocate me. Everybody's just like, that's a big girl. <laughs> that's a huge bitch. And then, yeah. and then everybody's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please do it on me. Do it, do it anyway. <laughs> well, hey, get going with the weird this week, uh, Sam's nominated Rocky Horror Picture Show from 1975 for the Musical Pantheon. We did Little Shop of Horrors uh, two weeks ago. Now we're doing Rocky Horror. Uh, the Musical Movie Pantheon consists of seven films. But there's only three in there right now. We have Fiddler on the Roof, which has an A- minus grade. Then Little Shop of Horrors, which sadly has a C-plus grade, followed by Newsies, which is way too high, but it has a C grade. Do you want to alter any of your grades from the previous shows? Like, oh, you mean I can take Little Shop of Horrors to a one? I mean, you could, but you better have a damn good reason. <laughs> it's my opinion, Joe. Respect it. But the opinion needs backup. Well, can I? Can I? Can I give? 
give Newsies a grade so I can go the fuck Oh, down. shit, yes. Oh, I did not expect this. Okay, uh, yeah, go for it. Um, Have you seen it lately? I've never watched it. Oh, well, then you gotta watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, <laughs> damn it. You know, I'd love to do it, but it's on a technicality. Look, it's got Christian Bale. But he's Batman. That's the only knock. So <laughs> that's one out of ten. So they get a one. It's a one. Okay, you you watch it. You figure it out. I don't want no. I was gonna change my Fiddler grade. I watched Fiddler on the uh, on the roof this past week, and I listened to my rationale behind it, and I can't change it. Oh, because yeah. it still meanders at certain points, and it's a little too long. Um, Not like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror. How long is Rocky? Hour and forty. Yes, it's. Two minutes longer than Little Shop of Horrors. And it feels way faster. To oh. me. To me. To wow. Me, to me. To me. What, so, ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned last week that uh, we're going to have reciprocal grades on this one, and it's already started. I think, no, I think you're going to be very surprised. Okay, well, let's get down to business. <laughs> this week, <laughs> we're talking about 1975 Rocky Horror Picture Show, a movie made for $1.4 million. <laughs> I don't know where what it went. The f- I don't know where that money went because most of the sets look like they were done on USA's Up All Night. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> but it brought in $226 million worldwide. <laughs> but that is a cumulative amount. That's not in oh, the first and time. It, they know, you know the beautiful thing is? it's grow. It grows every year. And still going. It grows every year. <laughs> Which, let's see, 75, the year it's 2022. Let's do a little math and see what it's averaging per year. 48 years? God, has it been 48 years? <laughs> There's no way I did that math right. 1975, wrong number to start with. 2022 minus 1975. I mean, that sounds like it's close. 47 years. Yeah. This movie's 47 almost. years old. And Susan Sarandon, some would say, is still a smoke show. <laughs> I agree with that statement. So, 226 divided by 47. Jesus. It's averaging $4 million a year, which I'm actually impressed with that number. Because they usually only have like one or two showings a year. A year. Yeah. Um, And would you say you've gone most recently? It happens at Halloween, right? Uh, Usually at Halloween. I remember I was in San Francisco and it happened weirdly off season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, Richard by written by Richard O'Brien, who is Riff Raff in this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and Jim Sharman, directed by Jim Sharman, music by Richard Hartley and Richard O'Brien. And I looked, Richard O'Brien has written this movie and that's it. But he's so talented. Huh? <laughs> okay. First, I'm so happy he wrote this. Yeah. He's one of my favorite characters in this. I think now I should preface, I'm so excited for the deep dive into how this movie was made because I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. Oh, you didn't read ahead? No. Oh, okay. no, this was going to be, no, first reaction. Um, because I'm really interested because I think some of his delivery, like most of his delivery yeah. is brilliant. Now, whether <laughs> he meant it on purpose or not, it is hysterical. You could say he's the second best actor in this movie. Uh, absolutely. Tim Curry being number one? Number one. Okay. Tim Curry is our Audrey 2 in this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he's our Audrey 2. It's like everybody's at a certain level, and then you bring in Tim Curry, and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you're like, this is his first movie. This is Tim Curry's first. 
This is Susan Sarandon's first. This is nuts. I know. Because I always thought like he'd been acting in theater before and he landed this and he was like, cool, I want to do something weird and out there and nobody else is going to do this. He did a couple of bit parts and TV roles, but this was his first movie. Yeah. And it stuck with him for 47 years. What a a talented motherfucker. Starring Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter, the scientist. (laughs) Susan Sarandon as Janet Weiss, it's Weiss. A heroine, Barry Bostwick as Brad Majors, the hero. Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff, the handyman. (laughs) Patricia Quinn as Magenta, the domestic. Nell Campbell as Columbia, a groupie. Jonathan Adams as Dr. Everett V. Scott, a rival scientist. Peter Hinwood as Rocky, horror, a creation. And yeah, Meatloaf. Loafs in this as Eddie, the ex-delivery boy, Charles Gray as the criminologist and expert, and Richard Nixon himself gets a credit in this just for archive sound. <laughs> so Richard Nixon. He's in this movie. Is in this movie. Love it. <laughs> According to IMDb, this movie had many different taglines. Which one is your favorite? The four that were there were a different set of jaws, another kind of Rocky, he's the hero, that's right, the hero, or give yourself over to absolute pleasure. It would have to be give yourself to absolute pleasure. I like another kind of Rocky. <laughs> Coming off of the Rocky thing. <laughs> it's like, not, it's so different. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. Oh, you liked Rocky? Try this, this one. one. <laughs> it's a little different. Do you remember seeing this for the first time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell us about I it. Had, I, I had heard about it. There was this kid who sat behind me in high school who, um, very sweet dude. He didn't talk. Okay. Uh, and he wore a trench coat every day. And <laughs> how you strike up a conversation with him is you have to write and pass notes. Was this just a, like his shtick? It was just his thing. Okay. Everybody knew him. He was super nice. Such a sweet kid. He just didn't talk. He looked like the white, um, what was Coraline's friend? Mo- Mabel? Mo- oh, geez. I don't know. It's been so long since okay, I've seen that movie. But you know who the kid I'm talking yeah, about. He has yeah. like a weird kind of slouch. <gasps> See, now I'm thinking of Grandma's Boy. <laughs> the, the, oh. The coder. <laughs> yeah, not like that. <laughs> yeah, Wyborn. That's what it is. Wyborn. Okay. Uh, he's kind of like what, the white Wyborn. Okay. You know, he's a little strange. He wears a trench coat, yeah. had curly hair. I don't know what he's doing now. Uh, his brother was a... Sharpening knives, listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, his brother was like a, a, a he, like we would go to watch fights, yeah, like bare knuckle fights at <laughs> parties. I mean, his brother was a maniac, also a great, really nice dude. Uh, but Brandon was super sweet. This was his favorite movie, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Was it his favorite just to be different? It could have been, but I don't know. Yeah. Like he was so genuine every time he wrote. It was never like weird or anything. It was just. Just genuinely, and I asked him, he's like, I don't know, it just, it vibes with me, and I really like it, and the music is great. I will give it that. The music is, musically speaking, it is better than Little Shop. Just artistically itself, it is better than Little Shop. Do some of the songs have a meaning? None at all. But the music, I but, I really like the music in this one. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I know myself. I was younger. In, I was probably in my, I want to say 18, 19, 20. I know I was probably in college at the time. It just wasn't my thing. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe at the time I was just too damn conservative to get it. That was probably it. Although, yeah, back then, I, mean, I was really liberal. 
Like, I mean, honestly, this movie is for the weirdos, freaks, and geeks. Yes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, it's for the weirdos, freaks, and geeks, but the weirdos, freaks, and geeks don't go there to enjoy it. They go there to make fun of it. Yeah. So even they're sitting there going, yeah, even this is too f***ing weird for us. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a good time with it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know what's funny is the first time I heard about this movie was from my mother. Because somebody mentioned it at a party. My mom was like, oh, have you ever seen Rocky Horror Picture mm-hmm. Show? I was like, no. She goes, oh, it's a lot of fun. At some point, you got to go. They throw bread and there's rice and you have to got squirt guns. And I was, yeah. I was like, okay. So my mother's been to this. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, God. Mom. Mom? <laughs> yeah. So the first time I ever saw, I heard about it in high school. And I'd seen the, you know, I, I was an adamant shopper at Hot Topic. <laughs> that, that tells you anything about my high school experience. <laughs> Spencer's. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I was dating a girl at the time and we had friends who were in the show. Like they had worked the show, but they yeah. were performing in the show now at Belcourt. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I had never seen the movie. I had never heard of the experience. And we went and that was the only way I could have watched this. Did Dude. they give you a bag at the front door with yeah, all they, the shit? Yeah, you get a bag at yep. the front. You have to do the March of the Virgins. The <laughs> whole thing. It's fantastic. There's no other way to experience it. And by the end of it, because this was around the time of the Cosby trials. Oh, and so there were... Dude, there were so many like fans who had seen this movie so many times, so they knew all the cues. Yeah. Dude, my face hurt halfway through it just from <laughs> laughing hysterically. I mean, that's the thing is it's a movie... I, I'm going to preface this right now. I'm giving this an F. This movie is so bad, it's great. Well, I'm, spoiler alert, it's going in the killer. The, this the is movie killer. Yeah, so just enjoy what's about to happen because I think you and I can both agree that there are very few movies that are like this. This movie is a movie that needs to be experienced. Yeah, you can't just watch the movie. But don't you dare watch this on your own. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a first time, I don't know. I own the movie. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But you've also, you're coming in with the experience of, and so whenever you watch it, you sit yeah. there going, oh, I'm back in the theater again. Yeah. We're throwing shit and you all see, that stuff. Janet comes on, stupid bitch. Yeah. Riff Raff tosses the fork down. Somebody <laughs> dies. <you Yeah>. know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, all, all that shit, it's, it's in your brain. And if you, if you have a chance to see this in a theater, you just, have to. No two things. There's two things that you got to be aware of. One, if you don't dress up, you're going to look like Brad. Two, <laughs> two, just participate and have fun. Don't worry about being too cool to do stuff. Just look around. No one else gives a shit. <laughs> Odds are there are men in heels and fishnets around you. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? It's because it's fun. And if you let loose... And enjoy it. You're going to have such a better time. Yes. Don't be scared. But that being said, if you're at home. Given to absolute pleasure. If you're at home and you've never seen this and you go, oh, I'll just rent it tonight. Don't. Don't don't do it. Just just wait till it's (laughs) playing in a movie theater. And that's the the funny thing. That's the thing that cracks me. That cracked me up most about that show. Yeah. Was not only do you have it on the theater and you have the gift bag. Have you done the experience? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you know that there's a whole cast that reenacts the whole movie oh, while yeah. the movie is being absolutely <laughs> yeah but everybody warning. else is in on the joke also whenever he says c or you see and you hear somebody say f and then you hear you see and somebody says k afterwards yeah it's like this this is so ingrained in people's dna that it's like space balls for you and i we could yeah. just do a front to end with this whole thing oh absolutely fair warning if uh 
uh, this is your first time, sit in the front row. <laughs> just sit, just take, take my word. You're going to have such a better time. Sit in the front row. There may or not be a lap dancing. It's like a, it's like Gallagher. You want to be in the front. That's where the watermelon hits. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into the inception of perception where I dig shallowly into the net to find out how on earth this came to be. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Okay, Richard O'Brien, that's Riff Raff, everybody, was living as an unemployed actor in London during the early 1970s. He wrote most of the Rocky Horror Show during one winter just to occupy himself. Wow. Since his youth, O'Brien had loved science fiction and B-horror movies. He wanted to combine elements of the unintentional humor of B-horror movies, portentous dialogue of schlock horror, Steve Reeves muscle flicks, and 50s rock and roll into his musical. Okay. So I want to stop you right here. (laughs) This this solidifies that Richard O'Brien is a f***ing genius. Genius. This isn't this isn't a room like the room situation where oh, he's trying to make a serious movie. <laughs> he knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. O'Brien conceived and wrote the play set against the backdrop of the glam era that had manifested itself in British popular culture in the 1970s, allowing his concept to come into being. O'Brien states, "Quote: Glam rock allowed me to be myself more." Well, what the dialogue tracks <laughs> yeah i was gonna say <laughs> and yet he is the least subversive character of anybody living in that house in this movie yeah. o'brien showed a portion of the unfinished script to australian director jim Sharman, who decided to direct it at the small experimental space upstairs at the royal court theater sloan square chelsea london which was used as a project space for the new work O'Brien had appeared briefly in a stage production of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar, directed by Sharman, and the two also worked together in Sam Shepard's The Unseen Hand. Sharman would bring in production designer Brian Thompson. <laughs> Must have been. I don't know what he was designing. <laughs> the original creative team was then rounded out by costume designer Sue Blaine, musical director Richard Hartley, and stage producer Michael White. And I encourage everybody out there to look up these names because they probably have one or two credits total since. As the musical went into rehearsal, the working title, They Came From Denton High was changed just before previews at the suggestion of Charmin to let's change it to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Where does Denton High come from? De- well, okay, so the marriage at the beginning, the wedding at the marriage takes place in Denton. Oh. Uh, so my guess is... Yeah, it's the two people that came to the mansion. Yes. That's obscure as f- Now, keep in mind, we're only talking about the stage play. Yes. This isn't even the movie yet. no. Having premiered in the small 60-seat Royal Court Theater, it quickly moved to larger venues in London, transferring to the 230-seat Chelsea Classic Cinema on King's Road on 14 August 1973, before finding a quasi-permanent home at the 500-seat King's Road Theater from November 3rd that year, running for six years. Jesus. It's still just the stage play. (laughs) Damn. You said at one point the 70s was a shit era. Remember we talked about, we were talking about something. We were yeah, talking about music 70s. was great. Yeah. The era was shit. Yeah. The seventies. <laughs> Don't you, no, 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 no. Don't you dare. Art. So this is an art. Art was great. Was it art? This is art. 
with an F. This is, this, is punk, this is punk rock. <laughs> this is punk rock art. The musical made its U.S. debut in Los Angeles in 1974 before playing in New York City as well as other cities. Producer and Ode Rector's owner Lou Adler attended the London production in the winter of 73, escorted by friend Britt Eklund. He immediately decided to purchase the U.S. theatrical rights, and his production would be staged at his Roxy Theater in L.A. In 1975, the Rocky Horror Show premiered on Broadway at the 1,000-seat Belasco Theater. All it takes is one person with money to enjoy what you got. It'll get some feet. It took. Like, it looked like a lot of people enjoyed the fuck out of the stage show. But just think about this: if Richard O'Brien had just gotten a job in that winter acting, they would have never been born. This never happens. Nope. <laughs> I need to create my own Rocky Horror Picture Show. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> It's in you, man. What four genres do you want to add in and make it work? <laughs> Killer uh, clowns. Uh, you want the, the 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 plant from last week? Do I? You said last week a great movie would have been Killer Clowns and Little Shop sequel. Oh, we're going that route. Okay, okay. Killer clowns versus <laughs> Killer Pro. Well, let's. Yeah, okay. Cool. You, you want a transvestite in there? Uh, you know, gotta be with the times. Gotta be gotta be liberal. Gotta be progressive. But is this really that? subversive anymore no i was gonna say this is like something you'd see on the street in like the middle of nashville on a tuesday oh it's just san francisco in a nutshell <laughs> yeah there was a time when this was controversial yeah mm-hmm. is what it is i'm surprised there's i thought there was gonna be so much more <laughs> i did too i expected a lot more when i was watching i was like wait that's it and i was like wow okay this looks like it just had it was just successful all the way through yeah i did not feel weird watching this at work when no Why kids should... when no kids were around my okay, i was about to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> Just a sweet transvestite. Got What's it. a transvestite? Uh, they dress. They aren't. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> See Eddie Izzard, example A. Okay, now before we get into this for the show today, did you watch this on your iPhone or TV? TV. I, I watched this on my big Promethean board at work yesterday. We had nice. a stockpile day. There were no kids at the school. I would gotten all my work done. I was like, you know what? I got the big 70 inch. I'm going to watch it on this. Had the big speakers. Totally forgot that my assistant principal was on the wall on the other side. Did they come in and watch? Everybody on my hallway came in to see what I was watching. Did they stay? Now, only two out of the nine teachers knew this movie. That's such a shame. The rest are really, really young. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, let me just, you've never seen this. Okay. Let me just show you a clip. Here's sweet transvestite. You need to see that if you see anything from this movie, this is it. Yeah. But it's also, it puts you in a weird position when you're watching touch a touch a touch a touch me. You're like, please don't walk in. Please don't walk in. Please don't walk in. Please don't walk in. I put my notes in when I was uh, occasionally during the songs this time, because there are some songs where it's going like, I'm losing interest. I have things I want to say. There you go. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I just watched it through. And if I had a comment, I had a comment. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I watched it yesterday. When did you watch it? You put no. Oh, well, well if, if I read this in my head, when did you watch the movie for this? Oh, I totally read that. I thought I, I did. You, I, I read, did you watch the movie for the show? I was like, <laughs> what kind of f-ing question is this? No, I didn't watch this just for the show. I love this movie. Wait, we're supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I got to change a bunch of grades. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Now our clip from our movie. Look, I'm cold. I'm wet. And I'm just playing scared. I'm here. There's nothing to worry about. How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand. 
little brought down because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung out by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Over the opening credits, a large set of women's lips in red lipstick sing the opening song, science fiction double feature. And I guess this is our musical's overture song. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Science fiction double feature. Does it feel a little long, though? Very. Yeah. Like, after a minute, I'm focusing on the teeth. Oh, yeah. They're definitely English chompers. (laughs) And I'm sitting there typing. I was like, is this song over yet? (laughs) Yeah, it's very long. It's weird. It's it's the start that's like, all right, this is going to be weird. The lyrics are cool. Yeah. I don't get the whole double feature thing. I mean, I get it because they're really focusing on the fifties and double features were a big thing for drive-ins. Oh, yeah. Which is where you would get a lot of those movies that they were mentioning in this. Uh, Uh, See, I'm just far too young and you're far too old. That's probably it. (laughs) 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 Okay. Brad Majors and Janet Weiss are two quote, normal, ordinary, healthy kids end quote in November, 1974 from the small town of Denton, Ohio, whom they Dayton. No, whom they first meet in Dr. Scott's college refresher course and fell in love. Now as the movie opens, they are attending the wedding of Ralph Hapshat and Betty Monroe in which Brad is Ralph's best man. And Janet is the maid of honor inspired by the events around him. As soon as the other guests leave, Brad asks Janet to marry him in a song Damn it, Janet. It's at the church, and she accepts. Joyous, the couple decide to go tell Dr. Scott the good news. You know, I now see where M. Night Shyamalan got all of his reference for acting and dialogue for old. It's so bad. Now, this is where, I'm, this when is where I, I'm wondering, was it on purpose? Because it's fucking hysterical. The whole, like, fist bump on the shoulder. Ah, tiger, you're next. I know it. You know, what's funny is I watch this and I just think to myself, you know, the number of years black people have made fun of white people with an accent. It came from this movie. Probably. This was it. Just that. Whenever they do the whole, you know, if you're white, you're like, gosh, Janet, it's so good to see you today. I got something to tell you. Damn it, Janet. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Okay, first, um. I'm already laughing. It's so smart. So, well, so like, not only is this, <laughs> is this song hysterical, because it's like, oh, Brad. And all the workers of the church are like, Janet. <laughs> I love you. Janet. And then <laughs> it's just like the two couple are so bubbly and in love. And then the workers are like, get the f- out of here. (laughs) Nobody wants to see this. Did you, I mean, I'm sure you did notice, but if you didn't notice, like while they're outside the wedding, you see Riff Raff. And Tim Curry. And Tim Curry. Tim Curry's the preacher. I think Magenta. I think she's the one. Uh, Or or it's Columbia. I don't know which one. But they're in regular clothes. Riff Raff and Columbia. I'm going to say Columbia for this point. Columbia look like American Gothic. 
He's got the the pitchfork, and she's just kind of sitting there looking morose. Is that what the painting's called, American Gothic? Yeah. Okay. Like I'm looking up what the meaning is because it appears multiple times. And Tim Curry comes out, is facing the camera at first, and then for about ninety percent of the scene, his back is just turned away. And I'm like, what? What's he? Why is he here? <laughs> if he's just not going to look at the camera. <laughs> They're staring at the couple. No, Tim Curry's not. Is he looking at the ca- at the camera? Tim Curry is literally back turned in the background the entire time. And no, he's not. Want to bet? Yes, I do. Because he's standing, when they're taking the picture, He's his face is right there. So, okay, yeah, but I said, like, for 90% after that, he turns around. Oh, yeah. And well, the, it's a really weird, like, are they watching them? Are they preying on them? I don't know what, well, then I was sitting there, I was like, is this going to be one of those things where... They fall down, hit their heads, and all the people that they saw before are now crazy weird. Yeah, this is just the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. That's the that's the or, whole point of the movie. Or is this just we couldn't get any actors at this point? We just you, you use the same ones for different roles. I think it was on purpose. I think it was a weird look because it makes me uncomfortable. Okay. Knowing I've already watched the movie and like because they're they're really morbid. Okay. See, so it was they're, just, they're it was also, distracting for me. And they're also, you know, um, reenacting the American Gothic painting. Yeah. Which at the end, they also have the pitchfork where they're both alien. The go- American Gothic. <laughs> yeah. Now shoots, they're aliens. Shoots a ray <laughs> of pure antimatter. We're from the galaxy yeah. of Transylvania mm-hmm. and the planet transsexual. <laughs> uh, Susan Sarandon. <clears throat> she was a cute little something back in the day, wasn't she? Oh, what a babe. Yeah. Still is. But Still is a super babe. I'm like, you know, I, when I see Brad, though, I just think of the mayor from Spin City. Oh, my God. He's the worst. Barry Bostwick. He's the worst. <laughs> no, it's like part of the experience is just like just totally emasculating Brad. Oh, yeah. And you will see people at the uh, experience of this in nothing but a pair of tidy whiteies. That's Brad, guys. That's Brad. That's Brad. Appearing all through the movie, a criminologist comes out and explains that we are about to embark on a strange journey following the misadventures of Brad and Janet. He mentions that despite the storm clouds gathering, the two decided to go for a long drive in the country anyway, even though their spare tire was badly in need of air. He claims that Brad and Janet will have, quote, a night to remember for a very long time. So my question is, is the criminologist supposed to be evaluating the criminal or the, is the audience supposed to be evaluating the criminologist's report on this? Honestly, I couldn't tell you the. I just, he's just a narrator to me, but he's doing it like it's a crime scene. Yeah, he's got a dossier on every character. <laughs> yeah, so it's the so yeah, I guess so. It's the events of what take place. Okay, but okay, so is this a serious movie or not? No, but why is he here then? If because because it's hilarious to have because here's the thing you have this ridiculous movie going on and then there's to me there's the comic of there's a serious like report of the <laughs> the events of last night and like giving the play by play as if it were a real crime and it's like there's fucking aliens from a universe called transsexual <laughs> and they're from the planet transvestite or it just whatever it changes tone so fast like I think it's hysterical. It's on. It has to be on purpose. Sam, who is this movie for? The freaks, geeks, and weirdos. But it's not for them because they're making fun of this. You can have, you can make fun of yourself. <laughs> In its original intention, what do you think? What do you think this is for? That's what I think it is for. 
You really do? This is not a serious movie. Okay. He literally. Well, I know it's not a serious movie, but then this is a serious moment where he's talking. I'm like. Yeah, it's weird. To me, it's hysterical (laughs) because here's the thing. And I know it's for real and on purpose and they're making fun of it because the time warp. We'll get to that. Which is probably the best song in the entire film. Arguably, but yes. And that's how I know because it goes from this to that. Right. Okay. Back to Brad and Jay. No, no, actually it doesn't because we have one more song before that. Oh, yes. There's, There's a, a light. light. <laughs> so back to Brad and Janet as they drive on the sunsets. And sure enough, it begins to rain very heavily. Janet is starting to feel ill at ease considering how far out they are and that a bunch of bikers keep passing them on the road and suggest that they should start turn back before something bad happens. We hear a loud bang and the car skids to a stop. Brad realizes he messed up badly by not refilling the spare tire and suggests that the two of them go to an old castle they passed along the way to call for help. Janet isn't so sure that this is a good idea, but Brad talks her into it anyway, as there's not much to do that they could do otherwise. As they walk through the rain, Janet tries to shield herself with a newspaper, telling herself through a song that no matter how bad things get, there's always a good side and that uh, things will always get better in a song called There's a Light Over at the Frankenstein Place. (laughs) I really hope I'm not the only one just cackling at this so far just cackling i was i know i cracked a smile during the song okay i did crack a, i was kind of like <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but then my man my i was like wait frankenstein he's frankenfurter who's frankenstein 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 <laughs> frankenstein <laughs> i totally forgot about this song also i totally forgot about this and i'm beginning to wonder if this movie is just a couple of songs that i remember from the past and that's it Kind of, yeah. Because there's five songs I can recall from this movie before this, it started. Yeah, well, I think uh, at least most of the songs that I remember are like before like before the halfway point. Yeah. Because halfway point. No. It just goes places. Like, and the five are Sweet Transvestite. Yes. Time Warp. Mm-hmm. Touch It, Touch It, Touch It, Touch Me. me. Uh, there's a light. There's a, no, there's light not one I remember. Oh, okay. Uh, the Meatloaf song? That's the other thing. Everybody just calls it the Meatloaf song. Because I mentioned this to three other people at work that, that knew, saw this movie, and I was like, I mentioned the songs, and I got to the fifth one, and they're like, the meatloaf song. I go, yeah, the meatloaf song. And everybody goes, what's it called? And I go, nobody knows. Hot patootie, bless my soul. <laughs> also, nobody knows why he's even in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it, so, yeah, I, I, I totally forgot about this song. And what's funny is, is that now that I'm watching it, I'm like, this comedically may be one of my favorite songs right now. Yeah. Like, how did I forget this one? It's so dumb. <laughs> it is dumb, but the you need and, and then you have riffraff in the window, right? But he's singing like with the, a female voice. Yes, and then he's panning <laughs> off to like some statue for red lightning, and like there's a light. Oh my god! Yeah, it, it's just like if you here's the thing: if you're not smiling at this point, turn the movie off. You're not gonna get it. You're not gonna get it. And even then, once you get about half or three, you'll still probably not want to turn it off and not get it. <laughs> Soon the two arrive on the front doorstep of the castle. Brad knocks, and just as the two were about to leave, the door is opened by Riff Raff, a tall, gaunt, balding butler in a stark black suit. He glares at them, further unnerving Janet, though Brad tries to be friendly, introducing himself and Janet and explaining that they need a phone as their car has broken down nearby. Go ahead and give us how he greets them. Hello. <laughs> And then, 
And then one of my favorite fucking lines. <laughs> You're wet. <laughs> yes, it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, this is rough. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. It's, but to me, that's English humor. And I love English humor. So, yes, a f- <laughs> it's pouring out fucking raining. They're clearly soaked. You're all wet. <laughs> no shit. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's something. They, they sing this song and they get to the door and now we're back to serious again. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh I'm starting it, to realize now that when the music stops, it's time to take it seriously. When the music starts, don't take anything seriously. Yeah. Uh, what is it that uh, Janice says at the door? It's like, I'm cold and afraid. Yeah. Well, she said this. Well, she was just times. like, she was, she was like singing, like there's a light, there's hope. And yeah. then all of a sudden it's like cold and afraid. Cold well, and afraid. What? Doesn't she also like run up to the door at the end of the song? But at the beginning, like during the song, she's just kind of walking Oh, they're walking slow. so slow in the rain and singing. It's nice. Uh, yeah. The foyer is outlandishly decorated with dark wooden furniture, stuffed dead animals and hunting trophies, and random relics and curiosities. Riff Raff explains to Brad and Janet that they've arrived on a very special night as the master is having a party. Ooh, a party. Ooh. Yes. What of the master's affairs? <laughs> Brad and Janet meet the equally strange housemaid Magenta, which leads into the infamous song, The Time Warp. And Which this, I love Riff Raff's voice. Astounding. It's great. Time is when he goes high. Yes. Oh my God. Killer rock voice. Takes its I remember at the piano bar I worked at, close. playing this all the time. Oh, nice. very much longer. But I never realized how out of context the song actually is from the actual movie. Oh, 100%. There's, <laughs> yeah. No. There he goes. Doing the time <laughs> I wonder if he's ever done voice work. Has to have. He almost sounds like he hasn't, though. Yeah. And then the criminologist comes in and explains the steps to the time warp right here. It's just a jump to the left. (laughs) With your hands on your hips. And it's a pelvic pelvic thrust. thrust. (laughs) Keeps it going insane. (laughs) It's fantastic. And this is the this is the point where you're like, the criminologist who's telling the very serious criminal report of the events of last night is giving you the steps of the dance. Right. And performing them on top of his desk. But and here's the thing. Please do yourself a favor and don't dig any deeper into this. Because if you do, you'll start asking questions like, why is the criminologist explaining how to dance the time warp? <laughs> this isn't a serious movie. I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's not a serious movie. So Brad and Janet are ushered into a great hall with a throne and a jukebox at its far end where con- conventionists of every size and description wearing tuxedos and party hats are dancing and singing the time warp. During the song, we are introduced to the gold sequin wearing tap dancing columbia i completely forgot that there was a tap dancing number in the middle of the song yeah yeah and that's i was like nope i'm done and i think this is where uh borderlands 2 got their uh inspiration for mave 
Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of this is too much for Janet and Brad, who try to sneak out carefully. Janet begs Brad to leave as the place is creepy, but Brad <laughs> is simply... slowly try to back out. <laughs> Brad simply says that they should stay to watch more folk dancing. <laughs> Janet refuses as she's cold, wet, and just plain scared, though Brad tries to reassure her. And then Janet turns around to leave and sees Dr. Frankenfurter. Hail to the queen, baby. Let's see. Damn it, Janet. Damn it, Janet. Okay. Damn it, Janet. Time warp. Sweet transvestite. Touch it, touch it, touch it. Touch me. And the meatloaf song. Yeah. There's nothing subversive about this movie anymore. No. Has this movie aged out? No. Really? Well, what do you mean? Like, do you think like the, the audience, because it's not rebellious um, anymore is kind of going, eh. Well, I still think it's weirder than most things that are put out. Okay. It has it like it has its own identity. It has its own style. It has its own thing going. Yeah. And it's been going for almost 50 fucking years. Yeah, yeah. But it's been going with a, such a small group. And I'm just wondering if at some point like when do you start going you start seeing like 60-year-olds showing up and you're like couldn't yeah, there was nothing else to do tonight? <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's the same thing over again. I get the experience can be different. Um, but no, I see your point. Uh, I feel, I feel like it's the same with Donnie Darko. Like, I feel like that's, that's phased out. Yeah. 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 Um, I just, I just, I just know that when this first came out, I could see people going to theater cause it's like, yeah, we're, we're, you know, counterculture. This is, this is, this is a, something that my parents are going to hate me going to, but I'm going to go anywhere and have a good time. And now it's like, Hey, it's just a, it's an everyday thing here. That's what we do. Yeah, I not. I don't think it's fake. Like now, parents, I don't think parents are like you know. Hey, go, go. Are they? I, I would say most of your liberal parents are saying, "Yeah, go Rocky Horror, have a good time." Oh well, yeah, but they've but they've probably done the experience before. Whereas this was, you know, when I was going. Yeah, uh, I remember I called my dad about it. And I was like, "Dude, this thing was wild." <laughs> this dad, was the, dad had gone right. I don't. I th- he might have. I know he's seen it. Yeah. I don't remember him going to the experience though. Okay. I could see him going. I think, yeah, I think on the phone calls, like we're going next year. And dressing as Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Please no. I'd rather see him dress up as Frankenfurter than in tidy whiteies. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, so Dr. Frankenfurter shows up and uh, he's in full drag regalia wrapped up in a black coat uh pleasure see you've met my faithful hand in hand he's just a little brought down because when you knocked he thought you were the candy man (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing tim curry sucks the air out of this scene He's a vacuum for all attention at this point. And well-deserved. Well-deserved, yes. Uh, a talent like no other. Brad asks him for help, explaining his plight, and Frank smirks and acknowledges that, yeah, Brad needs help, and how about that? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to offer him a satanic mechanic at first, only to change his mind as, maybe the rain isn't really the blame. <laughs> <laughs> is this, I forget, is this the part for the, in build up so much Antissa, Patient. <laughs> it's so smart. He's going to remove the cause, but not the symptoms. 
this is the title song of the movie. I mean, this is Ugh. it. This is what you came to see. Uh, unfortunately, it's 15 it's minutes in. Great song. Uh, this movie, the first half of this movie moves. It does, yeah. It moves. And But something I'm going to say later is that I think because of how good this song is, like it's, found, it's like, how do you follow the time warp? Holy shit. shit. You found a way to top it. But you're, you've now peaked. You peaked, yeah. And you peaked a little early. <laughs> no, for sure, this movie peaks very early. Yeah. Uh, Frank then goes into an elevator and rises upstairs to the applause of the party and conventionists. Riff Raff and Magenta strip Brad and stri- Janet down to their underwear. I don't know why, but Brad and Janet are then- Just brought- go with it. <laughs> Just go with it. Magic. <laughs> Brad Mag- Janet- <laughs> Magic, baby. Brad and Janet then are prodded into the elevator and taken upstairs to Frank's labor- laboratory. Uh <laughs> I put it here, the plot needs work, but I think we've beaten that to the ground at this point. Brad and Janet are led out into the center of an observing room where they are put on display by Dr. Frankenfurter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing later when he goes, you're a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> now wearing a lab coat and long surgical gloves. The Transylvanian conventionists watch the event from an above balcony. Frankenfurter then walks over to a box-like shape covered by a tarp and throws off the covering to reveal a tank. He shouts for Magenta and Riff Raff to set the controls and start the machinery as the room darkens. Frank himself laughs maniacally as he turns knobs, dials, and wheels as fluids pour into the tank and a humanoid form appears slowly, skeleton first, much to Janet and Brad's terror. Okay. <laughs> if, if I were in their shoes, I'd be so stoked. <laughs> So far, this has been a party. Brad, quit being a fucking ninny, you dick. (laughs) This has been, like, I'm watching, like, there's nothing horrifying about this for these two. This is just a good time. This is a great time. You're about to see some shit. I mean, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize this. How long has the rainbow been the symbol? Because in the tank, it's rainbow colored. Has that always been the symbol for the LGBTQ community? Yes, but I'm forgetting when it started. When did it become the symbol? Like, I'd love to say that this movie inspired it. <laughs> I love that. Because I noticed this time on my screen, I was like, oh my gosh, they have the rainbow in the tank. The rainbow flag was created in 1978 by okay. artist, designer, Vietnam War veteran, and then drag performer, Gilbert Baker. He was commissioned to create a flag by another gay icon, politician, Harvey Milk. Cool. Connection to Milk. Yeah. So if he was a drag performer, there's a possibility he has performed a Rocky Horror song. That is very possible. Did Rocky Horror Picture Show, was it a key Unintentionally in an influence. Yeah. I wonder. I think we discovered something, everybody. <laughs> We're on to something. I really hope this is true. <laughs> At the time, the most commonly used image for burgeoning gay rights movements was the pink triangle. It's a symbol used by the Nazis to identify homosexuals. Well, I didn't see pink pink triangles in this. No. Uh, Actually, what was the symbol on his left? On Frankenfurter's left? On his lab, because he has a stitch. Was it? Oh, you're doing that. Carefully, Frankenfurter leads out the humanoid figure wrapped entirely in bandages and cuts them away to reveal a full-grown man with blonde hair, tan skin, blue eyes, and a muscular figure wearing only a skimpy golden bikini over his crotch. Riff Raff spins some wheels as he shouldn't have while cackling to himself, setting the blonde man known as Rocky Horror loose. It is a triangle. It is a triangle. Yeah. So Frankenfurter. So that, well, that was the symbol. Yes. Originally, and so they changed it to the flag. Okay. 
I think we're, we're learning. The, we're learning a lot right now. We're I love seeing this. the genesis of a movement in this movie. Yes. <laughs> I'm changing my grade. Um, Rocky feeling a sense. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, Frank chases Rocky through a lab, crying his name as a bouncy song about the creation. I can make you a man. Rocky feeling a sense of dread plays. Eventually Frank catches Rocky and scolds him for misbehaving, but says he forgives him as he's beautiful in the song sword of Damocles. Frank, you thirsty bitch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that guy just wants to get laid so bad. Just, just the screen. Like the, it, Tim, Tim is such a fucking amazing performer. He's so fucking funny. Just his screams of like frustration his physical humor. His physical humor is when he's brilliant. pumping the pummel horse. Oh my gosh, he's brilliant! And but, we have the first introduction of Adam Warlock. Is that Adam Warlock? I think it is. I think it is. Yes, I'm beginning to think that Meatloaf had a hand in all of these songs. They all sound like a Meatloaf, Meatloaf style song. song. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but is Meatloaf one of the most underrated musicians yes. in music history? Yes, like. I love Meatloaf. Talent. Uh, my uncle used to be his guitar player. Really? Yeah. I, I tell you what, I have probably listened to Bad Out of Hell from front to, from beginning to end at least 150 times in my lifetime. Yeah. No, Loaf is the, amazing. Yeah, musically fantastic. Just He's a great completely singer. completely underrated. Absolutely. And just I just flies like- flies over everybody's radar. If his name was never Meatloaf to begin with, do you think he would have been more well-known? Because I think people later on just kind of, they're like, that's oh, Meatloaf, it's a fucking joke. Yeah, I think that, I think you're right. I think if he had a different name, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't stayed as long. But also, I mean, his was, name was Robert Paulson. Paulson. <laughs> he was in Fight Club too. Like he was a, he was a presence. Yes. And apparently, I mean, I never met the guy, but apparently he was like the sweetest dude ever. That's all I hear about him too. Is he's, he's extremely nice humble. Yeah. Extremely nice. But when I think of meatloaf, I think of a guy just sweating his ass off with a, a, a handkerchief in one hand with microphone. just, just wailing into a mic. Yeah. But yeah, so when he shows up here, I'm like, okay, going to get a tradi traditional meatloaf song. And it is a traditional meatloaf song. Complete with motorcycle going around a laboratory. I mean, <laughs> why not, right? Yeah. You got everything else in this. Uh, but you, as I'm watching this, I'm also thinking, you know, sometimes a drag show should just remain a drag show. Was this a drag show? Kind of feels like it at one point. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Then the deep freeze malfunctions and Columbia squeals, Eddie, a burly heavyset biker named Eddie. This is Meatloaf rides out on a motorcycle dressed in black leather, singing about his former glory, glory and whatever happened to Saturday night and hot patootie. <laughs> the conventionists eat it up enjoying the show, but Frank becomes wrathful that Eddie stole his thunder, takes out a pickaxe, chasing Eddie into the deep freeze where he is hacked to bits. Well, that got dark fast. Oh yeah. And I love, <laughs> so so number one, I love that there's this explanation because I never knew why he, because I thought because Eddie was in a deep freeze yeah, is because the doctor tried to kill him before. And so okay. he got out and he wanted to kill him again, like actually kill him. Yeah. I didn't know it was because he stole a spotlight. See, I thought, because <laughs> nothing's really explained well. No. I thought that Eddie was supposed to be a former creation, like version 1.0 before Rocky. Uh, and he froze him. He got out and Frankenfurt was like, I got to kill this guy because otherwise I won't get to sleep with Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also when he goes to kill meatloaf, 
in the back of the freezer. <laughs> There's like a whole trail of blood. Yes. <laughs> that what he didn't he he misses going in and then he gets him in the back and then all of a sudden there's just this trail of just, it's there and he's just like his hands are just dripping <laughs> the, no, sorry yeah so again we go from really really funny to well that that just happened and yeah. it comes this puts everyone even the giddy conventionist into a shocked and somber mood which will last about two minutes Frank tries to pick things up by talking about how beautiful Rocky is in a song, I Can Make You a Man, leading away his new creation to a bedchamber in a wedding-style procession. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, can you, would you agree that today, if this movie's made today, that's Jack Black as Eddie? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will, actually, they made, a, they made a remake. They remade this movie? Yeah, it didn't do well because nobody asked for it. Wait, was this one of those NBC live things? Yeah, I think oh. so. Let's no. see, Rocky or 2016. Who played Eddie? It's Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert played Eddie? That's funny. I like that. I like that. He's got the pipes for it. Yeah, that's Eddie right yeah, there. Yeah, it works. That's Eddie. I appreciate that. Yeah. Nice job. I was, I was going to shit on it, but you know, here's the thing. I always want to shit on Adam Lambert, but the dude's got pipes and he can sing. I remember um, I worked the Queen show when they were here, mm-hmm. Queen with Adam Lambert. Yeah. And I was like, cool, I will, I'll see Queen and Adam Lambert will be there. Yes. And I remember I finished up my work and I went into uh, like where the soundboard is, the front of house is, and I was blown away. Oh, yeah. Adam owned that role. Mm-hmm. It was like he was almost born to fill those shoes. He was, which he could never fill up Freddie Mercury shoes. But boy, did he fucking knock it out of the park! I could not believe it. Yeah, he was incredible. It's it's sick how much talent that guy has. It's for real, he's so talented. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, while separated, Frankenfurter comes into Janet's bedroom dressed as Brad and seduces Janet. Then he goes into Brad's room, dresses Janet, and tries to seduce Brad. Brad puts up a little bit of a fight, but he's talked into it. After where, afterwards, Janet feels frightened and used and goes to look for Brad. Meanwhile, Rocky escaped from the bedchamber and is running loose, chased by dogs through the rain outside the castle by the gleeful riffraff. While wandering the castle lost and afraid, Janet encounters Rocky hiding in his tank at the lab. Seeing that he's injured, she tears her petticoat to bandage his wounds, pausing as she realizes, oh my gosh, I'm aroused. (laughs) (laughs) Now you had a moment of discovery over there as I was talking. What just happened? That's super cool. I appreciate that. So the new, the 2016 Rocky Horror Picture Show, I I saw an image of the cast and Tim Curry's the criminologist. Oh, I love that so much. Okay, that's a nice little callback. I really appreciate that. I'll give it a point for that. Yes. But beyond that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so the the seduction scene. Uh, Frank, you dog you. Okay, so (laughs) they do a great job with the ADR in this and like making sure that when uh, Frankenfurter walks into Brad's room, not only is his movements eerily similar to what Susan Sarandon would have done. They've done a great job of his head movement going with the sound that Susan Sarandon is saying, cause it's her voice. Oh, it's there. It's the actors. Yeah. And it's, it's so when Janice is in bed and the person comes in, yeah. it's Brad. Right. Until they get in bed. 
Yes. And then when Brad's in bed, it's Janice. It actually not. It's not Janet. Really? Yeah. It's not Janet because if you watch I keep it, saying Janice. I know Janet. you do. <laughs> Janet, Janet, Janet. Yeah. The uh, but no because I watched it, I w- I went back several times to watch this and you can actually see at one point the jawline oh. of Tim Curry. <laughs> you can see the lipstick on Jim Curry and you're like, okay, that is him. And then because when, when they when he when the hair pops off, you're like, how they do the switcheroo? And they're like, oh no, it was him all along. He's just that good of a physical actor. You thought it was a Susan Sarandon thing. Damn. Yeah. Because at one point he also, when he lays down, you could see his knees and legs and they are much thicker than Susan Sarandon's. Jesus. <laughs> um, okay. Riff Raff. Also. Didn't take Brad very long. No, no Brad cracked pretty fast. Didn't he? Pretty fast. Didn't, didn't really put up a fight. No, no. <laughs> I, I think we're trying to say something on this one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why is Riff Raff scaring Rocky with the candelabra? Oh, like what? Why? I think it's a superiority thing. Does Riff Raff feel slighted? I'm jealous, maybe, or slighted, or like uh, maybe just above Rocky, who's not really a person. He's a creation. Because it, when we find out about Riff Raff later, is, this is just to get to touch me, touch me, touch me. Which, okay. <laughs> You're asking a lot of like, why is this happening? There's not, no answer for you. Here's the thing though. I'm not asking tier three and tier four questions. I'm asking tier one questions. Yeah, <laughs> like stop it. Basic. Okay. Stop. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I don't know. It could just be, well, he's an, he's an, well, spoiler alert. Go for it. He's an alien. He's an alien. <laughs> but then if that's the case, what's taking him so long to get to Frankenfurter here? What do you mean? Well, why does he wait? Like, why does he wait for all this to happen before he goes after Frankenfurter at the end? Well, I think their motives changed. Okay, because they he's aware that they're aliens, Frankenfurter. Yes, he's aware. So the whole plan is to like do something and then go back to Transylvania because he's from there. Yes, but why does Riff Raff wait this long to deal with him? Maybe he's just fed up with it because he because he's crying at the end. He's like, he never liked me. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, asking too many questions. It's magic, baby. The, <laughs> the criminologist comes on and mentions the complexity of human emotions and the dangers of lust. He fades away into Magenta and Columbia, who are secretly watching Rocky and Janet in the tank via a monitor in the room. More, more, more. Janet tries to seduce Rocky, explaining that she used to be a virgin, but now she finds she really likes sex and wants it now. I was feeling done in. Couldn't win. <laughs> I'd only ever kissed before. You mean she? Uh-huh. I <laughs> into heavy petting. It only leads to trouble and seat wetting. Seat wetting. Now all I want to know. It's brilliant. Is how to go. And I also love that Columbia and Magenta are also like making it, fun of her. I want to stay the distance. I've got an itch to scratch. I need assistance. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. Oh my god. I wanna be dirty. Don't you mean to fill me? 
It's a lovely song. <laughs> yeah. And Susan Sarandon, you know, it, it, you look good. I I, okay. I would I want to touch a touch a touch a touch huh? Susan uh, as the two women enjoy one another. <laughs> Frankenfurter beats up riffraff for letting Rocky loose. Oh, hold on! This is not just an ordinary beat up. This is <laughs> full fishnets. Yes, leather like g string, leather coat like punk rock, and has a whip. It's going bad. Yeah, it's hard to whip in twelve inch stilettos. Well, I wouldn't know, but I'll take your experience with this. <laughs> hey, when you're when you're uh, unemployed, you, you gotta, do anything, you gotta, right? You gotta take a gig. Uh, <laughs> an alarm goes off, and Riff Raff looks on another TV monitor and mentions that someone is outside by the main gate as they all look and see a middle aged man in a wheelchair buzzing the intercom at the front gate. How the fuck did he get? <laughs> Magic baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this still storming? It's. It's it, well, it's the same night, isn't it? Yeah. So it must be. Okay. So he wheeled over there. <laughs> he wheeled there. over there. It, <laughs> he's wet. Yeah. It's raining. It's raining. <laughs> um, Dr. Everett Scott has arrived at the castle. Brad recognizes his old teacher and is happy to see him, but Frankenfurter is angry that the two know one another, recognizing Dr. Scott as a federal agent investigating UFOs, suspecting Brad and Janet are actually spies. Brad denies this, explaining that Dr. Scott is a science teacher from Denton High, but Frank doesn't believe him. Okay, this took a weird turn. Like, as soon as they say UFOs, you go, wait, what, what am I watching? Oh. <laughs> now this, yeah, after, I think it's like right after Frank and Furter sneaks into their rooms. Yeah. This is where it starts. The roller coaster is going down. <laughs> yeah. Like, you really, here's the thing. You could watch up to touch a touch a touch me and be like, I've cool. seen it. I'm good. There we go. But you have no idea how much weirder this much is going to get. <laughs> and I appreciate it so much. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dr. Scott enters the castle and finds himself alone in the Zen room filled with various smoldering incense. Frankenfurter takes Brad to the lab where he turns on a powerful magnet that drags Dr. Scott's wheelchair all the way up the stairs and to the very still top. still playing the sitar. As soon as I saw this, I was thinking to myself, Fast and Furious 9 used magnets too. It's a Cuban magnets, bro. It's so funny because you can see the string and they're almost oh, yeah. like not even hiding it. Yeah. And he goes in circles around Magenta and Columbia. It's ridiculous. It's hysterical. Going up the stairs, you can tell it's from backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the clunk of Dr. Scott's wheelchair arriving wakes the sleeping Janet and Rocky, who sit up in shock. Everyone in the room is frightened, confused, and hurt to see one another here. Don't they go like, Janet, Brad. Rocky, Janet, <laughs> Brad, Rocky. Jan it's so bad. It's, and it's you're like, so is this going to turn into a song? It's so fucking funny. This but does, does that ever turn into a song? No. It doesn't. Just You're like, they got a rhythm. Uh, fuck you. And I'm like, I'm honestly wondering if this was an accident to where the actors were like, just fuck it. Brad, Janet, Rocky, Rocky Frank. <laughs> it just kept going until somebody cracked. Uh, everyone meets in a great, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, where I stop there. Okay. They're frightened, confused and hurt. Okay. Attempting to handle things with grace. Dr. Frankenfurter dismisses everyone for dinner, informing them that the formal attire is optional as he optional. stops off enraged. <laughs> <laughs> optional. Oh God. Every, everyone meets in a grand dining room for a dinner of roasted beef and vegetables in honor of Rocky's birthday. But guess what? It's not roast beef. Frank demands that everyone sing Rocky Happy Birthday. Dr. Scott reveals in a song, 
Eddie's Teddy that he's not here to investigate Frank and his household, but to look for his nephew, Eddie, who went missing with a cryptic cry for help and a letter being the last contact he had from him. Sure. Sure. Eddie, okay. Eddie was a no good kid, but he's still family. In response to this, <laughs> the tablecloth is pulled off the table to reveal Eddie's hacked up body in a glass case and the fact that they were being served roast Eddie for dinner. Brad and Dr. Scott are paralyzed with terror and Janet runs to Rocky's arms. Frank is outraged, slapping Janet. <laughs> Janet, <laughs> Janet runs away with Frank chasing after her, encouraging her through a song once in a while to stop sleeping with everyone else. She's now his. Oh my God. Um... Did they need a song to explain this? Because they already said it in the scene right beforehand. No. <laughs> uh, I still, I think it's, it's, yeah. What, like, I, I guess. searches I for guess, answers. Yeah, no, I, I have to really think about this. I guess they put the song in to explain who the fuck Eddie was. Yeah. Instead of just always oh, in a deep freeze and he got out and now he died. Right. Um. Janet just needs a sexual awakening, apparently. Sure. Now she's a horn dog. Just, just Frank for slapping the shit out of her. <laughs> um, I, I thought there's a very dark, a nice dark twist. They're, yeah. they're just feasting on Eddie. Oh, absolutely. Well, when they bring Magenta, the meat out first. Magenta knew about, or Columbia knew, and she slammed the doors and screamed. And The, the, the funny thing, there's so many things that happened during that dinner. Like, you know, when they put the meat in front of, him in front, in front of Frankenfurter. Even he's kind of like, <laughs> and then you got riff raff with the wine. He's just pouring it all over the fucking table. Oh, as he's yeah. missing glasses. <laughs> There's another song that's listed here. That's not put in the synopsis, which is you better wise up Janet Weiss. Oh yeah. Which is a great song. Yeah. Cause now I'm looking at Frankenfurter and Janet, the way I would look at the Joker and Harley Quinn, which is like, Oh yeah. He's abused her to the point where she's all into him now. <laughs> Just after the next paragraph, all you've written is what is happening. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the point where it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Where is this going? This, yeah. If you can figure out what the plot line is at this point, good luck. Janet, followed by Frank and Furter, Rocky, Brand, and Doctor Scott, end up in the lab again. Frank pulls a switch to glue, glue. everyone's feet to the floor, but his. Everyone tells Frank he's a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> In response, he simply flips a switch and turns them all to stone. Columbia comes in and tells Frank he's gone too far this time, as now people are really hurt. Frank and Furter simply responds by turning Columbia to stone, too. He then tells Riff Raff and Magenta to prepare for what is happening. Okay, can I just say this? Those are the most detailed statues I've ever seen. Complete with Bush. Bush is there. But I'm sitting there going... Like, why wouldn't it turn their clothes to stone? Right! Like, what happened to the clothes? But also... Those look like their actual Actually, maybe, bodies. Maybe that's maybe that is in which case where the budget Susan went. Sarandon, bravo, bravo, my dear. Bravo. Except I know that your boobs are a little bit bigger than that. Mm. Okay, <laughs> that's where the budget went. Yes, just hand carved statues of each. Oh. I hope Tim Curry has his somewhere in his house. <laughs> has all four of them. It's just him with his hands on his waist doing the hip shake. Yes. <laughs> uh, he glued him to the floor. It's like I can't move my feet. It's like I've been glued to the floor. But it's Brad's, you're a hot dog. Oh. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I was yeah. like, what am I watching? <laughs> 
uh, the criminal, oh, the criminologist back, uh, he comes on and hints that in this place where nothing is as it seems, the floor show is going to be something very shocking. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the drag show. <laughs> the next scene, we see the statue versions of everyone on stage, now all wearing fishnets, makeup, a thong, and the same bustier. I wonder who dressed them. Okay. One by one, they are unfrozen. And who they, moved them? Who moved them? And they each sing and dance a song, Floor Show, about how they've changed since they came here. Rocky and Columbia sing about their pastimes in Rose Tint My World. Frank and Furter, Brad and Janet sing their own version of the fanfare, Don't Dream It. And Dr. Scott is accidentally unfrozen and realizes that this place is a trap and everyone should run while they are still sane enough to escape. Frank Inverter comes out like a prized showgirl and sings a solo, starting an orgy in a swimming pool that is uncovered as he sings. After the orgy, Frank Inverter sings a song praising his wild and untamed household in the song, <laughs> Wild and Untamed Thing. <laughs> oh my God. It's just, this it's is just so out there. This is the who gives a shit anymore yeah. moment. And, <laughs> and then the, the, the guy in the wheelchair, he's like, we have to get out of here before it's too late. And then he lifts <laughs> up his leg <laughs> and, and he can't stop rubbing it. Cause he's in heels and a fishnet. Now the moral of the story is everyone wants to be a drag queen. I think the moral is <laughs> give yourself to absolute pleasure. pleasure. Don't wait for the antissa. <laughs> yeah, see, you know the Cenobites and Frankenfurter, they're all they're all the same. They just want to give in to absolute pleasure. I don't think the Cenobites come from the same universe here. No, but they want to give in to pleasure. Yes. Well, their definition. Pain pleasure. Yeah, their definition. Yes. This song, however, is uninterrupted by Riff Raff and Magenta, now wearing strange uniforms and armed with laser ray guns. What the f***? Riff Raff informs Frank that it's all over as his mission was a failure due to Frank becoming too extreme. When? What was your mission? <laughs> he declares that Frank is now his and Magenta's prisoner as he has been made commander and that they're going back to their home planet of Transylvania in the galaxy of transsexual immediately. It gets weirder, guys. Frank is happy for this, singing about how long he's been waiting to go back to the homeland he was exiled from in, I'm going home. Riff Raff stops him again and explains that only he and Magenta are going home. When I said we're going back, I meant just us. Then go. <laughs> Frank and Furter. <laughs> he never likes me. <laughs> Frank and Furter is to be killed as Riff Raff replies, say hello to Oblivion. Riff Raff points a ray gun at Frank, but Columbia screams in an attempt to save Frank. Riff how Raff, do we know it's a ray gun? What, what would you call it? Laser? As, 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 no, as quoted, a laser that shoots pure antimatter. He just had to explain exactly what it was. Because it, it looks like a golden like head of a pitchfork. Exactly. That's all it is. $1.8 million. <laughs> you could have gotten all the costumes at the Spirit Halloween down the street. <laughs> Riff Raff quickly turns around and kills her. Riff Raff then kills Frank as he tries to run away. Rocky, seeing his creator fall, grabs Frank and climbs the set in the background of the stage, crying in rage and pain. And so reenact King Kong. Yes. This is a King Kong. Climbs the RKO antenna. Yeah, I think there's also, if I'm not mistaken, there's sounds of airplanes. As there should be. Yeah. In this movie, I would expect this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It takes several shots from the ray gun, but Rocky is killed and falls into the pool where he and his creator float dead. Twas beauty killed the beast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I need to rephrase my question from earlier. Oh, yes, that what you is pointed it? out. What the fuck <laughs> is happening? I don't know. And I am truly sad to see Frankenfurter die. I mean, we got the best of them, though. Yeah, but he was the best character. No, he was the best character, but... Damn you, Riff Raff. I mean, you couldn't make the whole movie him. You kind of could. How would you... If you could rewrite the ending to this. Oh, f***. How would you rewrite from this point on? <sighs> Does Frankenfurter live? Yes. Okay. Does Riff Raff and Magenta go off to their own planet and just leave Frankenfurter behind? I The way I would rewrite this is... Rocky jumps in front of his master. Okay. In just the nick of time. And the antimatter beams hit his nipples <laughs> and deflect back at both Magenta and Riff Raff, destroying them. And they all get on the spaceship and go back to the universe with Brad, with everyone, the whole cast. Everyone goes Everyone back. goes. Indeed, you are powerful, as the Emperor has foreseen. See, I got a lot going up on here. Yes, you do. That you know what? Your ending would make more sense for this particular movie. <laughs> yes, it absolutely would. Yes. Um, but I feel like any other... Any- <laughs> <laughs> Anything would have been an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> Riff Raff turns to Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott and tells them to leave now while they still can, and they do so. Meanwhile, in a now empty house, Magenta and Riff Raff celebrate going home as an incestuous relationship is implied. Brad and Janet, carrying Dr. Scott, escape just as the castle explodes and flies away under a rainbow and blue skies of dawn back to Riff Raff and Magenta's home planet, leaving Dr. Scott, Janet, and Brad riding on the charred ground, still in drag from the floor show as it flies away into space. I mean... We've all had those Saturday nights. It happens. The criminologist comes back on one last time with the somber, iconic lines. Iconic? Describing the flying away of the house and crawling on the planet's face. Some insects called the human race. Lost in time and lost in space and meaning. (laughs) So poetic. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all, folks. (laughs) O'Brien's a fucking genius. According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 60%. Six fresh, four rotten. I am. I'm actually. high. That's really high. The critics on average gave this film a 6.3 out of 10. That's still high. The consensus says, quote, Rocky Horror Picture Show brings its quirky characters in tight, but it's the narrative thrust that really drives audiences insane and keeps them doing the time warp again. That's because there is no No, narrative. You know, sometimes I feel like film scholars overlook the obvious things. Yeah. And I think this is one of those moments where, you know, it's a cult classic. This is brilliant movie. No, no, it it, stop looking for shit. No, it's, it's horrible, but I think it's so, I think it's brilliantly horrible. Yeah. It's brilliantly horrible. It's like when people say that, you know, Alfred Hitchcock was brilliant for choosing to do Psycho in black and white. When in reality, he did black and white because they ran out of money. That was it. But they're like, but this is what I see. Don't. Don't. Stop looking for shit. 
are you the director? Were you part of this making of this film? I don't think you know what the fuck's going on. Well, here's three people who also thought there was nothing going on properly. Roger Ebert says, quote, viewed on video simply as a movie without the midnight sideshow, it's cheerful and silly and kind of sweet and forgettable. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you could forget any of that movie. You can't forget this when you see it all the way through from beginning to end, but you're right. It needs the, it needs the midnight Experience. It needs the show. You have to be the, the the only way to really, like I, what I give this movie as opposed to what I give the experience. Yeah. Two different scores. Absolutely. I would give it two completely separate scores also. Yeah. Um, Dave Kerr of the Chicago Reader says, quote, the wit is too weak to sustain a film and the songs all sound the same. And when I first read that before I watched it yesterday, I was like, no, they all sound different. And then I watched it like midway through. I was like, I've hearing the same beats over and over. And then much like you felt with little shop of horrors with the doo-wop is that you start to hear the same kind of beats all the way through. There is definitely a shared resemblance to most of those songs. Like many of them sound like they would be a meatloaf song. Yeah. They, they there's not a whole lot of variety. It's, but, but I like meatloaf songs. <laughs> yeah. I really like meatloaf songs too. <laughs> I think where I disagree with this guy yeah. is I think the wit is so funny because it's on, pur- I don't think it's not, it's, it's not like it's on purpose to be like, a serious dialogue to me, like when Riff Raff, you know, play just plain and simple. Yeah. When they're soaking wet, it's storming. It goes, <laughs> you know, wet. It's to me, it's hilarious. Or the waiting and, and dissipation. <laughs> it's so smart. It's so funny. It no, it's it's definitely. Here's the thing. I I think half of the people in this movie are doing a great job of acting poorly. Like that, that, their, that, that was their goal was to be campy. The other half of the people in this movie, that was their best acting. Yeah. Like yeah. you have Susan Sarandon, who you know is an accomplished actress, and she plays that role beautifully, even at such a young age. But then you look at Barry Bostwick, who really didn't do anything until Spin City after this. And you're like, yep, that was a shitty acting job. So even then you're conflicted with the seriousness and the silliness. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird mesh, but when, you know, I don't, you know. Tim Curry is brilliant. Magenta, that's her best role. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think, and you know, who knows if this is true, but in the, the making of when he says he loves science fiction and B-horror movies. Yes. Like, it it shows. He nailed it. Yeah. And I also, I, I whenever I watch the time warp scene and when everybody, like all his uh, party, party members yeah. or whatever. A tall, lanky bitch with the gla- the sunglasses and long hair. I yes. swear to God, it's Joey Ramone. It's not. I just looked it up for verification. Did you look it up? Yeah. It's not. But boy, does he look exactly like Joey Ramone. I almost, like, if you go into the roster of this movie, see, just uncover who snuck into the cast in this. Yeah. Um, Variety staff of Variety, this was written in 2008, says, most of the jokes that might have seemed jolly fun on stage now appear obvious and even flat. The sparkle's gone. Now, this kind of goes with what I said earlier, which is that what was subversive in 1975 isn't so much anymore. And this might have been, like, something there is in this, but the jokes are still the jokes, and they're still funny. I'm still cackling. If you put... Tim Curry in drag chasing after a guy in his underwear trying to lick his feet 
humping a pommel horse, giving him just weights to as gifts, which are wrapped in Christmas wrap. <laughs> Didn't even talk about that. Um, that's funny. No matter what decade you're in. Yeah. Now the audience score is an 85%, which I'm wondering if they're doing it from the perspective of, if you go see it with the experience. Well, I also don't think audience members are very like, they're not wearing their critics hats. No. Like when I'm not wearing my critics hats, I think this is a great movie. But I also wonder, like, the audience that is voting for this grade on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes is the one that sees it all the time. Because most people yeah, forgot about Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, unless I you watch it at least once a year. Right. Unless you go or you've had the experience early on. And again, it's an experience that once you do it, you almost have to revisit this all the time. Yeah. Um, but the movie's over. Were you entertained? <laughs> Why, yes, darling. <laughs> yes, I will. I love this movie. I was entertained, but this dropped off after about 25 minutes for me. That's how it goes. But, but also, I believe also because I watched it by myself, if I had had others in the room with me, it would have been more fun. Yeah. I, I, uh, so my friend, I got dinner with the night I watched it. Uh, she had never seen it. And I was like, oh, you got to come over and watch it. Yeah. And she said no. And, but partly is like, I want to have another person who's never seen it before experience this. And I can laugh at and with her. Yes. Cause the more people that are watching this, the more fun you're going to have. Well, it's and usually the person you watch it with is going to start asking serious questions. <laughs> and before they realize that you need to stop asking questions, you need to shut your mouth yeah. and just <laughs> go. You've used the term shit show before you're actually watching one now. <laughs> okay. Time to find out if the awards got it right. For the Academy Awards. <laughs> yes, for the Academy Awards, he got uh, zero nominations. What? Yeah. And at the Golden Globes, also zero nominations. But don't worry, we have our Saturn Awards. And in 1975, it was nominated for Best Horror Film. Huh? But it lost to <laughs> Young Frankenstein. There's so many what? questions I have there, such as... Rocky Why? Horror Picture Show, I don't think is a horror, horror. movie. And Young Frankenstein's Frankenstein a comedy. Even less of a horror movie. <laughs> like, there's far more horror in Rocky than there is. The other titles were Black Christmas, Bug, Old Dracula, Old Dracula, or Vampira, and Phantom of the Paradise. I would venture to say that if you were actually putting up a horror film, Bug or Black Christmas should have won. I'd, maybe 1975 was just a weird goddamn year for everybody. And in the MTV Movie Awards, there was nothing there. There, there wasn't. There was, there was no MTV. Video, video hadn't killed the radio star yet. But yeah, so now on to the next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. Uh, I'll start. My top three, um, the set is simple, and that's all that is required of it. Yeah. It's simple. Uh, number two, this movie gave us Susan Sarandon and Tim Curry. Without this movie, you don't get Thelma and you don't get Pennywise. The real Pennywise. Or Long John Silver. Or, or Long John Silver from Muppet Treasure Island, baby. Or Satan. Or in Legend, right? Legend. Yes. Or, <laughs> or the maitre d' in the Hotel of Home Alone 2. Or <laughs> the Pirate King from the Pirates of... That's Kevin Klein. Oh, well, he was the Pirate King in the state show. Oh, in the state. Okay. Or Susan Sarandon. Or Susan Sarandon. 
and my number one uh, sweet transvestite and time warp. Yeah. I, it's when I think of this movie, I think of really those two songs and I'm good to go. Yeah. And somebody asked me this week how I do such a good Tim Curry. And I you said, do. You do a good. good I said, you, you start with the mill from American Pie. Gosh, it's so good to see all of you. <laughs> you take it down about an octave and now you're there. <laughs> okay. How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> see, you've met mine. Okay. What are your three? <laughs> uh, your top three. My, my top, my number three is it's just weird. It's out there. It's just has its own thing going on. And I appreciate that so much. I like weird. I like out there. It just, it hits all the ticks for me kids today so desensitized by movies and television uh my number two is also time warp and sweet transvestite uh time warp if you're at the show you'll understand yes when the whole theater is dancing when the whole theater jumps to the left (laughs) and then you go to the right (laughs) with your hand on your hips and give it a pelvic thrust that's how you do the time warp again. <laughs> um, and just that introduction to who's my number one pick is Frankenfurter. It's just, it's stupid how much of the spot. I mean, you said it, he sucks all the air out of it. Absolutely. Like it's insane. He just demands it. Yeah. And he just gets it. The camera loves him too. Oh yeah. Like when he throws the water into the camera. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And then he, he goes, so you got a flat. And he looks at the camera instead. It goes straight up to him. And he goes, well, how about that? <laughs> He's brilliant. He's brilliant. It's a video. That, that scene is an MTV video. Yeah. It's perfect. Which also, I didn't know he was a, a singer either. He had a whole album he put out. Oh, after watching this, I believe it. Yeah. He's got, he can sing. He sounds, I mean, he sounds exactly like, Frank does he sing like Frankenfurter on the, well, he, he sings just like Tim Curry. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, we did an entire album as Frankenfurter. That'd be hysterical. Yeah. Okay. Time for the bottom three. Time to vent. My number three. Sorry, Richard O'Brien. You are a genius, but the writing in this is abhorrent. Okay. It, there is no, th- I couldn't imagine you putting this on a whiteboard and trying to figure out, okay, so we're going to move to this scene right here. How are we getting there? Yeah. Just, just make it happen. Just make it work. Okay. Well, how does he get here? Ah, he got, he got a letter. He got a letter from the guy in the deep freeze. Yes. Well, well what do we do now? Uh, Hey, remember Eddie? Yeah. Uh, send the guy in the wheelchair up. He doesn't have a car, but just wheelchair him up. Is it raining? Who fucking cares? <laughs> There's gravel. There's a road. He can Shut get up. there. Um, my number two, it relies on the wild experience you have at the theater. You can't really enjoy this at home. You can't really enjoy this on the phone. And if you're over 40, you probably don't want to see this in a theater anyway because you're just too old for this shit. <laughs> and my number one, we said earlier, the movie peaks a little too early for me. Peaks a little too early for me, like 15 minutes in it peaks. Yeah. Uh, what are your three? Um, Brad is just obnoxious. And I, you know, it's... <laughs> This is his character, maybe, but half the time I'm just like, get him off the screen. I don't care for him. Damn it, Brad. Damn it, Brad. <laughs> Dick. Cock. Fuck you, Brad. Uh, number two is, I'm actually, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna add because Ooh. I think you kind of nailed it. Like number two is still nothing makes sense. Yes. <laughs> There's no point to anything. 
<laughs> and part of that is the story drops off 25 minutes in after, you know, it does peak halfway, like 45 minutes in. That's it. Right. Everything else is just like, uh, okay, we're still, the movie's still going. We have an hour to fill. <laughs> yeah. And then my number one is, it's just a real bad movie. It just is, but it's amazing, but it's a real bad movie, but it's amazing, but it's amazing, but it's a really, really <laughs> bad <laughs> movie. It's bad acting dialogue across the board choices. <laughs> the ending question mark. I don't the wrapping up of the things. Which ending did you like more? This one or, or little shots? Oh, uh, not the original ending. The alternate. The, not the alternate ending. The, ori- the, the ending we got. Oh, no. No, I like this betting better. Oh. If, if you would give me the option of alternate ending. Alternate ending. Alternate. I want to see that All $5 million dollars back on the screen. Yes. All day. <laughs> and I love how on my, so I have it on Blu-ray, Rocky Horror. Okay. <laughs> and you have the option. You have a couple options, which is weird. Okay. Um, I have it on DVD, but go ahead. So your first selection is, do you want the original opening or an alternative B&W intro? And I don't know what that is. I've never even watched it. I have, I've had this Blu-ray for a black and white opening. Oh, B&W? maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's it. So maybe the lips are in black and white. Oh. Which, so very, now you can watch it in black and Wizard, white. Wizard of Ozzy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have the option to watch the, uh, alt, the UK version which has an additional song at the end. Oh yeah. The song is called superheroes. Yes. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, I didn't need another song. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> just, just end this tra this fucking tragedy. <laughs> Cause it's just them writhing on the ground in the dirt in their underwear and just singing. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. I'm this dropping is, out. I need to end this. You need to end this already for me, please. Well, it's time for our critics rating. <laughs> a C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If it gets F from both of us, it's going to the Movie Planet Global Killer. But what do you give 1975's Rocky Horror Picture Show in the musical movie genre by today's standards? I'm going to start because this is your nomination. You can end it. It wasn't until the 55-minute mark when I realized how bad this was. I mean, I remember it being a bad movie, but I was expecting a movie that was a D or a D minus. But this was definitely a movie that needs to be watched with others, which is kind of why it's so famous. People love this for the same reason they love The Room. It's a train wreck from start to finish. Musically, half the songs are worthy of their time based on their lyrics. Time-wise, this movie is a half hour too long. Acting-wise, everyone is bad, but the campiness is baked into the cake in this one. It's not as purposeful as Little Shop of Horrors. There's too many times when this movie is taking itself seriously to excuse it as anything other than bad acting. But it's not like you have no names here. You got early Tim Curry performance. You get an early Susan Sarandon performance. And for that reason, that can keep you locked in during the rougher parts of this movie. People don't speak highly of this movie because of its accolades and impressive music. They speak highly of the experience of seeing this movie because people have turned it into a celebration of crap. This movie is a global killer and the fans of this movie who show up every year are like those crazy motherfuckers who when when the earth is about to be obliterated by an asteroid will be the ones who aren't hiding for shelter but instead are having a party on the rooftop of their sky rise. So... As I'm watching this, several of our younger teachers showed up to see what I was watching. And after two minutes, they were laughing at how awful it was and asked why on earth we were doing this for the show. And I said, because it's so bad, it's great. It's an F. 
this is an F, F, F. This shit, in effect, if this makes it into the global pantheon, I suggest that we just move it to the top of the list because it, maybe we even rename the global killer pantheon to just the Rocky Horror Pictures. Uh, wait, what, the, the planet is in, this is called Trans, Transylvania? It's either Transvesta or Transvania. It's in the galaxy of, let's see. Transsexual. Their home planet of Transylvania in the galaxy of transsexual. The Transylvania movie, the transsexual movie killer. No, that's, that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your turn. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, okay. So I need to preface first that the proper experience to see this is in a theater. From a theater standpoint, this is an A. You get a prop of goodies. You know, you won't know exactly what to do your first couple times, but you'll pick it up with the toast, the rice, the water guns. It makes the experience. You're in it. You're living it. You might even get a lap dance <laughs> from whoever's playing Frankenfurter. And if you're lucky, it's a gorgeous short blonde girl. God willing. It's amazing. And it's with people who are just out there to have a good time and to let go of any pressures you might feel and just being a, just letting yourself go and being a part of the experience. It's better this way. If you're a virgin, do the March of the Virgins. It's funny. They're not, we're like, we're making fun of everything as a group. It's welcoming. It's great. Yes. Um, when it comes to the movie, there's a lot of highlights, but there's also probably a galaxy full of, you know, misses to those highlights. Halfway through, it just loses its steam because, as we've mentioned before, it peaks so quickly. The story and the momentum just takes a nosedive. And <laughs> the longer <laughs> it goes on, just the worse it gets. And just things that you just like, <laughs> you start out with a story. That's out the door. You start out with some characters. Well, fuck all of those guys. Uh, just seems like the writer, and I thought this was writers, but the you know Richard just didn't know how to end the fucking movie or the show. Now I've never seen the live show, so I have no clue what it's like. Mm. Could be totally different. Probably not. But this movie, as we're critiquing it for the film. I still, I own this. Mm. I watch it at least once time a year. I try to do the experience instead of just doing the video because it just makes it that much better. But I still am just laughing and cackling. And I, and I watch it once every year so I can forget. <laughs> I can forget how bad it is. I can forget some of the dialogue, some of the jokes. So when I watch it in a year, I'm still grabbing my stomach and laughing. It is so horrible that it is amazing. Yes. It really is. Tim Curry is excellent. I love Riff Raff. And that's about it. <laughs> and you have, and with that are the best two songs. You have the Time Warp from Riff Raff yep. and Sweet Transvestite from Tim Curry. And Riff Raff was smart enough to put himself in this movie. <laughs> I can't help but laugh throughout the first three fourths of this movie. And it is so bad that it pulls me in every single time. I love it. It's just my type of vibe, but you know what? If we're being honest, it's going in the planet killer. Cause I'm giving this an F cause there's a film. This is a fucking God awful movie. It's a piece of shit. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. 
doesn't matter where it hits, nothing would survive, not even bacteria. We have a global killer. (laughs) And this is a very unique global killer because this isn't like Waterworld. This isn't like, and some would argue it's like The Room because I think The Room and Waterworld were meant to be serious productions. Their intentions were to make a serious film Yes, where this was just middle fingers all the way around. (laughs) This movie demands my respect and I feel like Riff Raff getting whipped by Frank and Furter every year. So you haven't watched me yet? So it's going to the global killer. It's obviously below newsies. Thank God. Um, Where in the global killer shall we put it? I think this is number one. Just top of the pops. I think this is number one. This is, this is supplanting Waterworld. I would watch. Oh my God. I would watch this over Waterworld any day. There has been a changing of the guard. I don't think of, no, because I was thinking like maybe Pluto Nash, but I, that's just, that's just bad. so bad. You don't even laugh. So now number one in the global killer is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Number two is Waterworld. Number three, Matrix Re- Revolutions. And number four, Solo, A Star Wars Story. <laughs> and you know what? The global killer group is starting to become a group where I'm like, I wouldn't mind doing a marathon of these. <laughs> no, no, I, I won't watch Solo, but. No, I won't be there for that one. But. No, no. Well, eventually we'll do enough of these with to be, you know, it'll be supplanted. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think Rocky Horror is the crown champion of this. I don't see and it. I'm so happy it's there. The only movie I could see possibly giving it a run is The Room. See, that's the word I'm. But The, the room, room is funny, but I don't think it's as watchable as Rocky Horror. I don't think so either. I think The Room is more. Like, because the Rocky Horror has fun moments amongst you making fun of the shit. Yeah. The room has no fun. No. It's just making fun of. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Hey, critics hats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie? Or none of the above? Now, I'm going to change mine. I said none of the above, darling. And I'm going to say this. I like this movie. Yes, that's a victory. If I'm in the theater with others watching this as a group of people going absolutely berserk. If I'm by myself, this is it none of the above? So please see this in a theater with others. Sam? I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I love the first three fourths of this fucking movie. It's just so much fun. Where does it lose you at the end, by the way? Like, at what, what point were you like, I don't need this anymore? Oh, after Frank and sleeps with Brad and Janice. When it gets to touch me, touch me, touch me. When you see Brad with a cigarette smoking. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my cue in my head. It's like, cool. I can check out, do laundry now. There you go. Okay. And wait for the last like little time warp. And for me, it's usually right after the, it's before touch it, touch it, touch me. It's when he's about to seduce Brad and Janet where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm tuned out. And that's when I start laundry. And then I hear touch it, touch it, touch me. I go, oh shit, I need to see the scene. Yeah. yeah it's sur- Sarandon boobs. Sarandon. Okay. <laughs> that's all we got time for movie planeteers. Next show, <laughs> we will look at Eternals oh. from 2021 for the comic book movie Pantheon. And I'm going to preface this right away, everybody. This is the last MCU movie we are doing for a long time because we're waiting for them to have a direction. 
You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Sam, any last words? All this smiling makes my face ache. (laughs) Yes, darling. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. (laughs) See ya. We out. We out.